This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Right, okay, let's get started. So, it's episode 50, guys, and a very special episode, and I am joined by a very special guest. So, been looking forward to that. This one's been in the diary for months because Grandmaster Amiris is so difficult to get a hold of. But, uh, yeah, we're joined by Grandmaster Philip Amiris today, ninth degree black belt, AMA technical director, and the most senior student of living legend grandmaster cho so thank you so much for joining us sir how are you oh great thank you for having me i've been looking forward to it been watching all your podcasts and really really great job uh, master Bell. awesome very very good thank you sir thank you um lots of places we could start today but i think if it's okay with you i'd like to start on quite a poignant uh place and if we can take a wee moment to remember and to talk about Father Conley, if that would be okay with you. Sure thing, yeah. Father was a, actually I started Taekwondo with Father Conley. I was a black belt in uh, Shorinru and um, I, I left Shorinru and I went to, with Father Conley in Taekwondo. Uh, trained with Father, tested for my black belt in Taekwondo. I actually started as a white belt in Taekwondo yep. and went all the way uh, and tested for black belt with Father. And then I, I was real interested in competition. So Father was the one that recommended Grandmaster Cho because he knew of Grandmaster Cho's um, reputation and he knew of his, you know, his skill set and so forth. So he was the one who recommended it. And um, unfortunately, Father passed away a couple months ago. They just had a memorial on uh, this past Saturday. I went up to his, every year they do a summer camp yep. in uh, uh, the outskirts of Pittsburgh. And I've been going up for the last close to 40 years teaching once a week. And uh, his student, uh, Master Misketch, Randy Misketch, is going to carry on the, his system of Seijong Taekwondo. And I know he'll do a phenomenal job. He's, he's a great martial artist and, and, and a great person. And he was the one father uh, wanted to you know, be his successor. So mm-hmm. anything we could do you know, to assist him with that or to help him with that, we, you know, we're on board. Yep. I, I went back and actually watched. There's a wonderful documentary that one of your uh, former students, Stephanie, made called Beyond the Belt. So yeah. anybody that's listening to the podcast, please check that out. And there was a lovely moment uh, when Father Conley was being interviewed. And I want to take you back to that, if possible, where he was describing how you weren't exactly a believer in Taekwondo or traditional martial arts when you first yeah. went to him. So do you remember back oh, for those sure. years? And- yeah, I mean, you know... I started in 1969 in martial arts and, you know, back then it was completely, completely different than what it is today. And, and there's pros and cons, you know, a lot of people say all oh, the golden years and, and, and they were golden years, but you know, there's great things today that weren't back then and, and so forth. But I, I was going to a Catholic high school and I, I was 14 years old and that's right around the time, like full contact karate was coming out. And, and my father was a professional boxer and, and, 
I, I boxed and, you know, we always had that contact. And a lot of times back then you weren't allowed to hit the face. And, you know, it, it was a transition period in the martial arts. So I, I come into school one day and the, the principal says to me, Sister Regina Claire, who was a great lady, she says, uh, go over to the rectory where Father Conley lives. There's a priest that does what you do. And I said, a priest that does what I do. At 14, I was a little bit like, well, what's this priest? So I go over to them. Father told me that he did, um, you know, Taekwondo and uh, he started teaching me Taekwondo. They met every Tuesday night at the church and, and we just hit it off. But father was a traditionalist. And, 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 and when I say a traditionalist, I don't mean that in a negative way. But, you know, father come from the era of, you know, uh, you know the no contact to the face. Uh, you know, if, if it was written in General Choi's book one way, that's the way father did it. It was no yeah. altering from that. Um, and, and father also practiced Aikido and, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of value to every martial arts, but at that time in my life, you know, immature, 14 years old, I, I didn't think there was too much value in Aikido. And me and father would have these great debates, which he always won, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and again, I was, you know, if, if it wasn't real practical, if it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a fighting thing. I wasn't real interested at, at that time in my life. And uh, I, I thank father and of course, Grandmaster Cho for introducing me what real martial arts was all about. And it's not all about the physical, but you know, we all know the benefits that it has with uh, you know, everything else and how it's a positive impact on our lives. But at that time, it, it, me and father had some really, <laughs> really good, good debates and, and, and good, uh, uh, what do you call, um, good discussions. So. So I think it's it's a sign of the type of, and maybe you can tell us a wee bit about this story as well. It's a, it's a show of what a special man he was, but also a special martial arts instructor that it's very rare that an instructor would facilitate their student moving on to someone the way that he introduced you to Grandmaster Cho. Uh, and a lot, that hardly, as far as I know, hardly ever happens, but he's seen something in you, I guess, that he could match with Grandmaster mm -hmm. Cho. So how did that, and when did that transition happen? Uh, well, I, I think around 1977, 1978, uh, Grandmaster Cho uh, come out on Taekwondo Times. I think it was one of the first ones, or, or I'm sorry, traditional Taekwondo magazine. And then there was that, there was Taekwondo Times. And the articles that, that he was coming out back then was like you know, revolutionary. You know, he was incorporating boxing in there and, you know, holding on to the traditional Taekwondo route, but really expanding on the physical and on the uh, what he called, um, you know, the techniques and the training methods. And, uh, you know, he, he was just so far ahead of his time. Yeah. And, and I think Father Conley's seen that and Father Conley's seen, you know, it, it he saw how serious I was in, in training that I wanted to make it a career that, that, you know, I, I was laser focused and, you know, the only thing I wanted to do was martial arts. The only thing I wanted to do was, you know, compete. And he knew he couldn't it, it, with his philosophy and with, you know, he, he wasn't a full-time martial artist. He, he was a priest. Um, he was trying to match me with someone that he thought number one would hold on to the traditional value of Taekwondo uh, while giving me the freedom and the, you know, the, what I was looking for as far as competition, as far as, you know, improving my techniques and training methods. Um, 
very, very, very seldom ever happens in the martial arts. You know, yeah. now or then, that instructor would say, "Look, I'm recommending you to go to you know this instructor because he can offer you something I can't." Yeah. Uh, you know, the egos are 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 huge, and you know, uh, and it, it goes, I guess, across all sports. You know, everybody wants to take credit for, you know, that you know they feel that that may be even a, a sign of disloyalty and. And Father Conley, because he had my best interest at heart, sent me to Grandmaster Cho. And, you know, that's a thing that I would always be indebted to because that relationship is just, I mean, Grandmaster Cho is my Taekwondo father. I mean, he's, he's you you know, yeah. uh, you know how close we are over the years. I mean, he's just, you know, I think the epitome of, of, of not only one of the greatest martial artists ever to live, but one of the greatest uh, people that you could ever meet. Yeah. The, the the progression is something that I'd, I'd love to really, I think a lot of times people say I've changed as a person or I've changed as a martial artist, but I'd love to dig a wee bit deeper with you because at the beginning, I think it's safe to say that you might have seen yourself as a fighter mm -hmm. and now it goes without saying you're a complete martial artist. That journey's obviously been 30 or 40 years, so... Can you talk us through maybe some landmarks of what what was the process? Yeah, yeah you know, and again, I, I started martial arts when I was seven years old, and at that time, um, it, it, it was completely different. I mean, there there was very few kids in the class. There was hardly any women in in, in training, yeah. and uh, I had I had a hardcore instructor. He was a, he was a great instructor, um, and, and the Shorenru system, and you know, it was it was hard training. Uh, it was something that what he called, you know, um, it, it, I don't think it would last today. It would not, wouldn't be something a lot of people would do today because, it, you know, and there wasn't a lot of things to do is, you know, um, so if you, you went into, you know, karate or you went into, you know, baseball, you were a baseball player, you know, it, you didn't mix too much, but uh, at, at that time you had to compete in tournaments. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you know, you, you had the option, you know, your instructor would put up a tournament on the wall flyer for a tournament and we would go Saturday to a tournament. We go to another tournament on Sunday. So from, I would say about eight, nine years old, you know, through when I made black belt, I made black belt at 12 years old in Shorenru. And then you know, even through into my teens. And when I met grandmaster Cho, it was competition, competition, competition. Um, and it was, you know, just training for competition and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's where I was. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with your age, you know, uh, you know, when you're young, you know, you, 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 I don't know if you want to say you want to prove something to yourself or you, but you, you, you're young, you, 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 you're, it's different. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I competed a lot. I competed in a lot of, you know, point fighting and the point fighting back then, you know, was, was completely different than the point fighting now. I mean, now the techniques in point fighting and, and the, uh, the athleticism is unbelievable. I mean, I, I watch some of the point fighters today and it's like, oh my God, you know, uh, I, I, I never f was an athlete like that. Yeah. Back then it was side kick, front kick, round kick, reverse punch, maybe a back fist, but it was bare knuckle. And it was, you, you threw the, the, everything that you threw was to, you know, really do damage uh, to the opponent. Yeah. Uh, they said, you know, non-contact to the face and, and 
you know, again, depending on where you were fighting, you hit a guy in the face, bow, sorry, and then, you know, just keep going. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, it, it, it was a completely different era. And, and I don't think it's fair to compare the fighters today or the point fighters today to the point fighters then because it was so much different. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, the, the rules have changed. Uh, you know, again, the, the athleticism, even if you look at the, 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 the forms or the, you know, the Jungs or Katas or whatever you, uh, whatever style you are, you call them, you know, today, I, I really personally don't enjoy watching some of the uh, acrobatics uh, yeah. you know, it, it, that is incorporated into it. But that's just my personal opinion. That's not saying that it's wrong or anything. I always refer to a story, uh, Grandmaster Bong Suhan, who was a Hapkido master. Yeah. Uh, really good friends with Grandmaster Cho. And I was fortunate one time, we were up in uh, New York, Wesley Snipes, the movie actor, I'm sure you remember. Yes. Oh, yeah. He had this big event with all these masters, he called it Masters of the Martial Arts, and a group that come up to do a demonstration, and, and they were phenomenal. And they were doing patterns, and they were flipping and jumping and doing all this. And I was sitting next to Grandmaster Cho and next to Grandmaster Han. And, and it was an impressive demonstration. And, and uh, Master, you know, Grandmaster Han looked at Grandmaster Cho and he said, just think how good they would be if they did martial arts. He's <laughs> a gymnastic show. And again, I, I think it's because of the era that we all come up in. Yeah. You know, uh, patterns were, uh, and the way, if you ever watch Grandmaster Cho do it, a pattern was an imaginary opponent. So a block was a block to block an imaginary opponent. You know, it wasn't something. So again, not criticizing, you know, there's, there's a place for everything, Yeah. but because of the era that we come up in and because of the era that I come up in certain things, I favor more and certain things I don't. Um, 1976, 1974 was the first PKA world championships where you had Isaac Duenas from uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. Bill Wallace was the middleweight. Uh, Jeff Smith was the light heavyweight and heavyweight was Joe Lewis. They won the, the championships. And that's, that was the birth of American kickboxing. Yeah. So that's the direction we were all going then, you know, even like when you, now the point tournaments converted to full contact tournaments, mm -hmm. you would go to a tournament and it wouldn't be in a boxing ring. It would be just like a regular tournament, yeah. but it was full contact. Okay. And then you fight one guy, you fight the next guy, just like a regular tournament. And then it evolved to, ring fights, you know, when they, when they put the boxing ring in and now it, it started to go towards kickboxing. So, you know, it went there, but in the interim of that, I've competed a little bit in the Kokushinkai, which I have a lot of respect for the, the Kokushinkai uh, style of martial arts, which, you know, uh, Masoyama, um, yeah. I, I competed a, a couple of their tournaments and, and they're extremely uh, tough, tough fighters, um, throwing the leg kicks, you know, which, which takes a whole new dimension, especially for Taekwondo people. Cause at that time we didn't never throw a leg kick. I mean, we maybe threw a sweep or something like that, yeah. but you know, that, that's the evolution of it. And, and, and again, going back to Grandmaster Cho, I think, and father Connolly seen this, he was open-minded enough to say, look, you know, if you're going to compete in Kokushin, you need to know how to throw the leg kicks. Yeah. So let's learn the leg kicks Let's adopt, you know, let's build on what we have. I mean, one of the things that Grandmaster Cho, first thing he taught me was when I was fighting in either was a kickboxing fight that allowed leg kicks or a, a Kokushinkai fight, we called the knockdown, yeah. is a spinning wheel kick to the leg. 
And, you know, at that time, there wasn't a lot of people doing that. I mean, but, you know, Grandmaster Cho said, look, if you can do a round kick to the leg or, or some people call it a cut kick or, you know, whatever, there's no reason you can't do a spinning heel kick to the leg. Yeah. And, and that I had some good success with that kick uh, thrown, you know, into the leg. But that that was the transition, you know, um, you know, it, it moved from one to the other to the other and, uh, you know, just enjoy it. Yeah. What, 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 what changed for you? And it probably was a little bit of maturity. It, it, it probably was spending more time with Grandmaster Cho, but what, what changed from you or what made you see that this was, this was more than just a thing that males did. It was, it was more than just fighting. And this was going to be something that you could influence thousands of people with as yeah. a, a martial artist. I, I think, you know, again, when I met Grandmaster, I was 19 years old. So um, I, I went out to L.A. I was a second degree black belt in with Father Conley in Taekwondo. And then, of course, a black belt in Shorinbrew. Uh And I, I had Grandmaster Cho up for a seminar. And then he told me to come out and test for second degree under him. And when I went out there, even the testing process was completely different. Um, you know, we had to know theory. We had to know history. We had, uh, you know, philosophical questions that Grandmaster Cho and and the board of masters were asking, you know, Grandmaster Cho would always have some uh, different, you know, Korean masters there, whether if it was Grandmaster Han from Hapkido, Grandmaster Chung Kim, another Hapkido master, or Grandmaster Tiger Yang. There was always these Korean uh, masters up there and they would ask you, you know, how did, you know, Taekwondo influence your life or, you know, what is, uh, you know, what's your goals in Taekwondo? What's the responsibility of a rank? And prior to that, I never had any type of experience like that. And it started to make you reflect and say, wow, you know, there's a lot more of this than kicking and punching. Yeah. And then, as you know, being, you know, master of AMA, Grandmaster Cho would always give these philosophical talks after the, 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 the test or after a class. He would give these, you know, little tidbits. And, um, I start to see, wow, this is something much more than just, you know, physical. Um, and, and I had a lot of friends in boxing, a lot of friends in, you know, some you know, combat sports. And when they were done competing, it was over. Right. But I think the, the major, major turning point in, in me realizing the other benefits uh, in Taekwondo was when I broke my neck. I, I used to work for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and, uh, driving one night in a truck and I got in a wreck and I broke my neck and I was put in a halo. They put two holes here, two holes in your back. I broke my arm. Um, and, you know, now I'm thinking, wow, it's all over. Everything is done. You know, geez, I worked all these years and I wanted to be, you know, a, a champion or whatever. And Grandmaster Cho would call me every week. And every week, you know, he would give me these, you know, bits of encouragement and he would say, you know, you know, persevere through it. This is, you know, so one day I was feeling sorry for myself and we were talking on the phone and I'll be honest with you, I can't remember what I said, but it must have hit a nerve with him because he said to me, stop. He says, you're a martial artist for a lifetime. You're a champion for a day. Now start putting the tenets of Taekwondo to work and quit feeling sorry for yourself and build off of what you've been, you've been taught. And that was the main, I would say if I had a major turning point in my life with the exception of meeting Grandmaster Cho, that was it. Yeah. And, and you need that sometime as, as a student, you need that as a person, 
you know, you need that as, as a friend, uh, you know, you need somebody sometimes, I don't know if you call it tough love or whatever, but I, I think, you know, at that time I needed Grandmaster Cho to say to me, you know, basically don't feel sorry for yourself. There's people a lot worse than you. There's people that have been in accidents. And, and he said this to me, there's people who've been in accidents, been crippled. Yeah. You're not crippled. You could still walk. You could, you know, you still have a lot of uh, things. So be a martial artist. And, and that really trans, transformed my, uh, uh, thoughts on, on, on Taekwondo and, and my future and so forth. Yeah. When I had your son, Philip, on the podcast, he or we were both talking about just how lucky he is and, and Jimmy and all of your students, but especially the boys to have this access to a martial artist like you. <laughs> Appreciate it. You have been the same with Grandmaster. So mm. how how does that... I know we could talk about this all day, but just a couple of examples of how lucky you've been to have an instructor such as Grandmaster Cho. Well, you know, I, I, I think I, I've been really, really fortunate in my life because I, I say I had the most positive influences. Number one was my father. My dad was my best friend and my dad was, he was my idol. He was my mentor. My dad was the world to me. And uh, my dad died really young. He died at 61. And uh, Grandmaster Cho met my dad. And and um, I learned so much from him. That, you know, even today, I'm, I'm 59. I'm going to be 60 years old. But uh, there's not a day that goes by I don't think of things that my dad said to me or taught me or, or whatever. Um, and then Father Conley. I mean, Father Conley, you know, w- was such a positive influence in my life. And um, at a time where I really, you know, in the, I don't know you say development years, but, you know, high school and, you know, he married uh, me and my wife, he baptized our kids. He's been a family friend. And, um, and then of course, Grandmaster Cho uh, has been just an an unbelievable, uh, you know, uh, benefit of meeting him. But I, I, I think, and you know, and Grandmaster Darcy and me talk about this all the time. It's easy to say things and it's easy to tell people to do things. But it's the way I think you learn, the best way you learn is from example. And you watch what somebody does and you watch how somebody performs or you watch how somebody acts or you watch how somebody you know, responds when there's, there's problems and so forth. And I think that's why I'm so fortunate with Grandmaster Cho, because, you know, I, I, I've, I'm blessed to be with him the longest, I think, of any any student. Yep. Uh, I've seen him, you know, uh, you know years you know, when, when I was 19. I don't know how old he would have been at that time, but he was, you know, just physically still unbelievable, the physical skills. But, I, you know, I always remember I, we would be in L.A. and we would have the test on a Sunday and the test would be you know, really hard test. And we'd be out there, you know, and then he'd take everybody to dinner like he always does. Yeah. After dinner, you know, we would all go out, maybe whether we would go, you know, to, you know, just hang out. All the guys would go hang out and we would, you know, and then on the way back, we would come past the Dojang and there'd be the lights on. He'd be in there working out, you know, and I was like, you know, he just, all day we were there. And now he's back in there working out. I mean, you know, his example of the perseverance. I mean, you know, when he had the open heart surgery, when he had, uh, you know, some injuries that he had, uh, moving to different states 
and starting all over again. I mean, his perseverance, he personifies the, you know, the, the perseverance and indomitable spirit. And I just feel blessed. Like, you know, God, give me a blessing with them three men in my life that, that were so influential, you know, my dad, father Colin and, and grandmaster Cho, um, that, you know, I, I, I feel it's a responsibility to give it this, you know, to try to help other people with that. And, and not that I could be in their league, but what I could do is teach what they taught me to somebody else. And hopefully that'll influence their life in a positive direction um, and help them like they helped me. Yeah. The, just when you mentioned Grandmaster with the, the open heart surgery, you'll remember this. We were in Arizona for summer camp one year after the heart, open heart surgery. And yeah. it was just coincidence that Grandmaster chose seminar at the camp was one year from the from the surgery and he would have been well into his 60s at this stage. And there's, yeah. I, I, again, I have been blessed to train with some of the world's best martial artists, but, and it's no disrespect to anybody, and this yeah. is just my feeling, but nobody comes close. He oh. just floats. Yeah. And that was one year after. I know. Everything he did, yeah. it's quite phenomenal. You know, I, I, on my sixth degree test, we were in LA and uh, again, absolutely no disrespect to anyone else. Uh, Grandmaster Tiger Yang, who I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for, he's a really good martial artist and, and, and a great person. Uh, you know, you know, when you're testing, you're fired up and, you know, uh, you, know you, you want to perform your best, not only for yourself, but you want to perform your best for your instructor. You know, your instructor is up there, you're testing for high degree, sixth degree. And one of the questions that Grandmaster Tiger Yang asked me was, how do you compare your master to the other masters? And just, <laughs> I don't know if I have Tourette's or what, but I just blurted out, there's no comparison. And I didn't mean that as an insult, yeah. but by no means, because I respect these gentlemen so much. But it was like, I, I, I've seen what this guy has done. I've seen what Grandmaster Joe's done over the years, you know, and the dedication and, and you know, a lot of people don't know this. When he wrote Man of Contrast, you know, you talking about years ago, every shot was one click. Yep. So it was one turn click, one turn click. People don't realize that it wasn't like today where they had the cameras, you know, and, and all the technology. And he actually took the pictures and was, you know, taping them on paper to, to be progressive. And, and people don't realize the time and the dedication for that. Uh, and, and, and how, how strenuous that is. Um, Grandmaster Darcy, who's like, like a brother to me, you know, so, we always kid, we were shooting videotapes one time for one of the, the video series for, that we did. And of course, you know, Grandmaster Cho is you know, start early, finish late. We were shooting 14 hours a day and we were absolutely dead. I mean, there was, there was a ton of us and he was in every, every scene. Yeah. And, we were like, oh my God, how, you know, how's he doing it? And, you know, we're a lot younger than him. And uh, it's just his, his, his work ethic and his dedication to the art. I, I, I it's something I've never seen on anybody in any field, you know. I know something, <clears throat> excuse me, I know something that you talk about often, and I know you're passionate about this, is the, the, the relationship between student and instructor. And also possibly how that's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. And obviously you 
persevere to maintain what you see as the traditional or the, the right way? What, what, what's your thoughts on what that, 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 that That's one thing that I, I think we lost over the years. You know, and again, a lot of people take it out of context. Having respect and loyalty to an instructor, it's a two-way street. You know, Grandmaster Cho did an article years ago called you know, Respect, you Earn Respect, to give, Get Respect to Earn Respect. But a lot of, you know, years ago, it was the, the master said it or the sensei or the subonym or quajanim said it, the student did it without question. That was society at that time. I mean, it was, it, it, that's how it was brought up. Uh, there was never no, you know, question it or whatever. So again, I come up through that process. But as the martial arts evolved and a lot of people start to open martial arts schools and, you know, money start to get involved and egos start to get involved. Um, I think that the deterioration on both parts, you know, uh, have been d diminished, you know, where, where sometimes the master took advantage of the student. And then sometimes where the student just said, I don't need the master anymore. And that relationship has been severed. Yeah. Again, I feel extremely fortunate that Grandmaster Cho always was the example on, you know, don't do as I say, do as I do. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know, th this is what I'm doing. Uh, and, and if you want to be with me with it, you're with me with it. If you don't, God bless you. And, and you can go and, and do whatever you want if, if you have a different approach. But what I've seen, is, especially over the years, and, and it's not to criticize anyone, but just from my personal view, a lot of people that leave their instructor, there, there's two reasons. One is money and one is ego. Um, and, you know, th that that's the two main reasons I think people leave their instructor because they, you know, again, uh, Grandmaster Cho was asked one time, you know, you, you, you so innovative and, you know, you incorporated boxing, you incorporated it, uh, you know, weightlifting and all these different methods of teaching. Why don't you call it Cho's? You know, why, why, why didn't you name it after yourself or, or your own martial arts system? And he says, you don't change your family name. Your family name is your family name. What you do with the family name is to bring respect to that family name. Um, and again, like I said, it, it, you know, we're fortunate that Grandmaster chose the way he is because there's been other masters, you know, that you hear these horror stories that required their students to take mortgages out on their house to have a tournament or that, you know, they abused the student by, you know, they're teaching every day uh, and, and, you know, so much is expected for them. And, you know, uh, Grandmaster Doug Cook, who I know you did an interview with, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Yes, sir. Just emailed me a couple of weeks ago and he wants me to do an article for his magazine, which is one of the best I think out there about the relationship between an instructor. And, and I think we have to look at, and I'm hoping to convey this in the article, is that we have to look at both sides. We have to look at the responsibility of an instructor or a master and the responsibility of a student. And uh, the, the again, uh, respect goes two ways. Um, we've been fortunate, you know, uh, that, that we don't have a master or, or instructor that takes advantage of us. Um, but, you know, a martial art master isn't a coach. 
and it's not taking anything away from coaches because there's some phenomenal coaches that have a lot of positive influence on people's lives. But a martial arts master is like a second father, you know, and uh, the, the only thing difference I say, it takes years to get that years to get that relationship from both the, you know, when somebody walks in my school and the dojang and, and they join, I want to give them everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, they're not going to feel like they're part of, I don't want to say my, say my family until they show me the dedication and they show me the years of loyalty and so forth to both, not only the school, but to, you know, to Taekwondo. Yeah. I think, I think it's a reflection on a lot of modern society as well, because I, when a student comes to my school, I can't help but just become committed and passionate about their progress and I'm all in. But a lot of people just see it as like a daycare or they drop the kids off or even they attend just as a, a pastime. And there has to be a place for those people that there, there, there absolutely does. But I think I mentioned this on the last podcast that I recorded as well. People don't realise often just how uh, invested you become in, in your students. And sometimes you get that back and, and sometimes you don't. And maybe that's a benefit to the people that do stay yeah. or, or you do bond or you have that relationship with. I don't know. Maybe we are just lucky with some people and, and we're not with others. Yeah. I don't know. And I think too, Tate, because there's so much information out there, you know, and, and you know, today, you know, before it was the movies, you know, when, when Bruce Lee come out, uh, even you know, we were doing it before Bruce Lee come out, but you know, it was like the Bruce Lee era. Then it was the Kung Fu era. Then it was the Ninja era. And it, you know, uh, but you didn't have the internet. Now today, somebody punches in martial arts. There's thousands of Google searches that comes up you know, even hundreds of schools and, and, you know, people come in today with a preconceptive idea yeah. and, you know, uh, the UFC, it's, it's a great spectator sport, but the UFC type of training isn't for everyone. I mean, you know, a lot of people think that's for everyone. Yeah. And what did Mike Tyson say? Everybody got a plan that they get punched in the face. I mean, the, the true words have never been spoken. You know, a lot of people think, you know, uh, you know, you know, this is something I could do. And, and today, a lot of it, when it comes to martial arts and again, it's not a criticism. It's just what people are interested in. You know, somebody may say, I want you know, Philip, my son has a phenomenal program with the fit to fight. Yeah. It's an exercise class. It's a great phenomenal class that they use martial art techniques, but it's not martial arts. Yeah. You know? yep. And it's no disrespect to my son. My son is phenomenal. He's a great martial artist, does a phenomenal job, but you know, that is not a martial arts class, you know, Taibo, uh, I, I, you know, know Billy Blanks. We competed against each other one time years ago, and uh, he's a phenomenal martial artist. But Taibo is not a martial art; it's an exercise class. Um, you know, uh, MMA. MMA is a great you know, self-defense. It's a great, uh, you know, fighting form. It's a good spectator sport if you like that. Yeah. But it's not a martial art. A martial art is to empower people's lives. Grandmaster Leo Fong, another guy that I have so much respect for, always said that martial arts be, should be a positive metaphor for the way you live your life. And if it's only directed towards sport or towards fitness, it has none of the other benefits. 
Yeah. So that's where I think we go. We have to. I think we can definitely put that change into the the positive category. Mm -hmm. What's what's in the negative category? What what isn't the same anymore? What's where have we went wrong? I know there's lots of things we could talk about about where we went right and martial arts has changed. But mm -hmm. what do you not like about modern day martial arts? I, I don't like, as far as the competition goes, again, you know, and I don't follow it nowhere near as I did, you know. I mean, you were at my house and you've seen my library. I mean, years ago, I used to follow it. I could go in and tell you everything about every competitor. But it seemed there was a more, you know, Benny Arquides, who's probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest kickboxer and martial artist ever. He's phenomenal he refers to it as Bushido and, and the code of, of uh, you know, ethics in, in it. And I don't believe we have that anymore it, it, like we did before. You don't have that Bushido spirit or Harango spirit, which would be the, the Korean yep. counterpart to that. Um, you know, there, there's so many martial artists that, that I've had the fortune uh, of training with or, or, you know, even competing against or seeing them compete, uh, you know, uh, Shan Marty Manuel. I know you, you know, I talked about him a lot. He, he was, he's a legend. I mean, you know, there, there's a guy that, you know, I can't say enough about confined to a wheelchair was the number one contender in, in kickboxing yeah. and taught for, I don't know how many years, but for years and produced phenomenal students. Even to this day, his students are still teaching, and do an outstanding job. We keep in touch over Facebook, but they have that, whether you call it Bushido spirit or whatever it is, but they have it. Uh, there's a, you know, be, it's become a thing of the past where, where people don't have that anymore. I, I don't see that being taught. Um, I don't see people focusing on that. I think people focus more on, you know, uh, the microwave approach. Let's put in the microwave, push two minutes, and it's done. Yeah, you can't do more shorts that way. The just when I, when you talk about your the library and your house and just must how how many thousands of magazines and stuff is it? But do you think you were born for this, or was there something that that really ignited the passion? Because I don't know anybody who has such a such a memory or such a, a way of, even when I'm in your class, for example, there's just a catalog within your head of different drills and styles and techniques. And if someone asks a question, you've got five different ways of answering it, depending on what's happening. Is that just natural or is that something that- well, I, I, I think a little, you know, I have a good memory, so I, I, I don't I credit my parents or whatever, you know, the, the gift that is. But what I always did, you know, whatever class I went to, whether it was Grandmaster Cho's class, you know, whether it was training with, you know, Grandmaster Darcy or anybody, uh, where I see something, I would go make notes of it so, and say, okay, you know, uh, th this is what they were doing. Or I see a magazine article. I mean, you, you know, I have a, a big martial arts library. And I would look at that and I would say, okay, how can I apply this to make my, my teaching stronger or my technique stronger or whatever? 
And uh, I think the experience of teaching, I, you know, I've been in martial arts since again, I'm seven years old, eight years old, and I'm 59. Um, I think over and over teaching, I, I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't realize is to teach is to learn. And when, when an instructor requires a student to teach, I, I tell my black belt this, I'm requiring you to teach because it's going to improve you learning. Yep. And, and that's, that's an important part because I've learned so much from teaching. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I love to read, you know, me, me and you have talked about it before. So I've been fortunate that I, I've, I've read a lot of, and I try to apply, you know, the positive things that I've read from it. But um, I, I think, you know, it, of course, naturally, I can remember some things. I, I got a good memory, but uh, I think you have to study it and then apply it. I think one of the areas where we as AMA members are so lucky is Grandmaster chose open-mindedness. And I, I can't understand why everybody isn't the same in that we have our base, but then we take from whatever works, whatever we can add, we add. And, and you, within our own association, have been at the forefront of that. Can we talk a wee bit about the, the benefits of cross training and the benefits of building, taking things from other arts or other fighters or martial artists and, and adding it? Because so many people are ITF practitioners, for example, many of them will say it's, you said at the beginning, it's general choice way and that's well, it. Yeah, well, There's nothing else in martial arts other than that. But it's not just Taekwondo, it could be Kung Fu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and they won't incorporate anything else. But as I say, you've been the, the front runner within AMA forever, I can remember, of bringing as much in as you can. Well, uh, and again, I, I think, you know, as being a technical director, you know, it goes back to incorporating the grappling. Um, when, when it's way before MMA, it was the no-hold bar and, and coming out. And uh, they were doing these matches in Japan uh, under the UWF, which was United Wrestling Federation. Some of it was like wrestling, you know, like studio wrestling or, but then they took it to another level. Pancreas come out and it was real fighting, but, you know, so forth. And, and I met a guy, Bart Vell, who was um, a really good, uh, strong, big guy, Kempo uh, Black Belt. And he introduced me to the grappling. And I, I really uh, thank Bart for uh, doing what he did with that. We used to have him up for a ton of seminars and so forth. But at that time, uh, you know, again, Grandmaster Cho says, with the evolution of the martial arts, and I was still competing then, and, and I thought I was going to compete in this no whole bar. There was a whole big thing with that to come out, and I was going to compete in that. And Grandmaster Cho said, in order to compete in that, just like kickboxing, you can't kickbox if you don't know how to box. Yeah. Well, I remember my first, you know, one of my first kickboxing fights. My dad was a professional boxer, so he taught me how to box. And uh, the guy that I fought had no boxing experience whatsoever. And, and I did really well against him. And I, and I you know, dominated the whole fight because you know, his hands were, you know, the hands were down, the hands weren't up like you're fighting. Yep. I remember getting out of the ring and my head was this big. And I thought, wow, man, am I great? My dad said to me, don't think you were so good. He was so bad. He says, but you know, if you didn't know how to box, you couldn't kickbox. If you're going to go into MMA or no holds bar and you don't know how to grapple, you're not going to have any success with it because whether you're the best kicker or puncher in the world 
or whether you're the best grappler in the world. It's been proven over and over again that there's no superior. You have to be, you know, as great as the Gracies are. They've learned how to punch. They've learned how to defend the punch. They learn how to kick. Um, you know, so every, you had to be open-minded with that. Some people think that it's, you know, whatever I do is the right way and there's, there's no way. And you're never going to change some people. It's, I, I always compare it to politics. You know, yeah. if a guy's a certain party, I don't know in Europe, but if a guy's a certain party in the United States, it's very hard to convince him to have an open mind and say, well, let me look and maybe they have some good ideas over here and maybe they have some good ideas over here and we can maybe, you know, get together on it. But, yeah. uh, you know, Again, I, th I think it's the, you know the, the benefit of having somebody like Grandmaster Cho that says I don't have all the answers. You know, Taekwondo has no grappling. Learn how to grapple, and then bring it into our system, and not try to make our Taekwondo people champion grapplers, but show them something that opens up their mind. If they get caught in a situation where they needed grappling, they have it. I mean, I always say you know the tree, the most beautiful tree, is not the one with twigs on it. It's the one with the biggest branches. And, and the, you know, or the biggest, you know, uh, leaves, uh, that's the beauty of the tree. And that's what it is. You're, you've got the strong base, then you just branch out. Do you forget the base? No, the base is the base. The patterns are the patterns, the, you know, the, the formal techniques are the formal techniques, and then you just build off of it. You know, what, what, you know, and this is something I always say, you know, Grandmaster Darcy is the closest instructor, I think, to Grandmaster Cho, teaching style. You are phenomenal with, with when I watch you do the kids' program. So I learned a lot by watching you do the kids' program. Master Burns, I mean, you know as well as I know, one-step sparring, there's <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we have so many people, you know, when, when we go to a summer camp, we, we had the summer camps or we have you know, international testing and we're there that week. I mean, it's collage, you know, Paul Healy, you guys are there. Everybody's given their you know, their specialties, you know, um, and, and you can learn so much from it, you know, and then even if I can't, you know, the aerial kicks, I was never good with the aerial kicks. I mean, I, you know, I got these big thick hips and thick legs, so my legs don't come off the ground, uh, but you know, I, I watch it and I say, okay, I may not be able to perform it, but I can watch it and learn the tips to teach one of my students how to perform that or, you know, or coach them on how to perform it or, you know, give them encouragement on how to perform it. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, if, if you have a closed mind, there's no room for growth. Yeah. And, uh, yeah that's, uh, without growth, you stay stagnant. Just, just when you mentioned Hawaii there, uh, I always forget that last year, 2020, was just, <laughs> it was a write-off. Yeah. Yeah. I always think, oh, it was last year, but it was actually almost two years ago now when we were in Hawaii, and again, different people have different opinions, but I was there for your test, your physical test to ninth degree and Grandmaster Darcy's physical test to eighth degree. And that's something that's quite rare. And I don't want to have a conversation about what's right and what's wrong because everybody's way, I respect their way, but let's, let's have a discussion on the benefits you see of AMA testing, us in our association, testing all the way up to ninth degree, because that's very, very rare nowadays that someone stands in the floor. Yeah. Like well, nobody was more shocked than, than me. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll give you a little 
funny story how I found out about the ninth degree. When I tested for eighth degree, I says, you know, thank God I made it to eighth degree black belt. You know, it's great. It's over. I don't, you know, and <laughs> you don't have that stress anymore of testing. But, um, you know, my eighth degree test was, was an actual test. I mean, we went out there and we tested. We did everything with the exception of sparring because sparring, it, you can never win. And what I mean by that is if, if you're sparring someone, and you don't dominate them, then it's all, oh, you know, he's an eighth degree. And, you yeah. know, but if you dominate him all, oh, he's a bully and he picked on me. So grandmaster said, we're not going to spar during the test. So, you know, you sparred enough. We've seen you spar. So just do the, you know, the drill line drills, do self-defense and so forth. My ninth degree, uh, grandmaster Cho, and, and you know, the protocol, we never asked the test. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's something that's just, you know, in our association that we feel, the, the, the master instructor or the grandmaster instructor should ask the, the student to test. So grandmaster Joe was talking to my wife and he says, you know, I'd like for you to test for sixth degree, my wife, Jeannie, and that's master's rank. And, and, and we were elated, you know, wow, grand, you know, my wife's going to be a master. Ama, great. You know, that's just great. And he said, I want uh, Philip to do a demonstration that day for ninth degree. And I was like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> Yeah, he says it. We 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 got to do it, and and I don't think it was so much of uh, of a test. I, I just think he you know, had Grandmaster Darcy and me up here. It was, it was you know very short, but just to show that look, you have to come up here. You're requiring the students to do it. You should be able to lead by example and and, and perform. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I I think that's important because, you know, you have that open there's nothing to hide. I mean, you know, am I going to perform like I did when I was in my twenties? Absolutely not. Am I going to perform, you know, uh, as somebody else in their twenties? No, but you show you, you go upper and you're like everybody else and, and, and you do what you have to do. Um, and I, I think a lot of it at that stage, especially I, 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 I knowing master Cho, like I know, you know, grandmaster Cho, uh, I, I think he's setting it up for the future. And he's saying, look, you know, realistically, we want to keep the thing in place. And, and this is what, you know, uh, we're going to need a high grade there so we can test people up to that grade. Uh, I feel honored. Um, uh, I don't think any of us ever feel deserving uh, of the rank. And, and that's something that that is no. <laughs> every rank that I tested for you always feel like you're not deserving of that rank. You think, yeah, you know what? There's people that are better than me. But again, I, I don't think, you know, and again, being an instructor, I think we have to say, okay, am I better today than I was when I tested for seventh degree or eighth degree? Am I, am I doing more? Am I contributing to the art? Am I doing something that, that constitutes that? Um, and and I, I think that's, that's important. You know, it, you know, physically, you're only going to go so far, you know, uh, Grandmaster Cho, you know, as well as I know, and everybody else that sees him is like, you know, he's, he's a freak of nature. I mean, look at him at 80 years, he's going to be 81 years old yeah. and he's still physically unbelievable. But if I, you, you can't compare master Grandmaster today to Grandmaster Cho 30 years ago, yeah. I mean, 30 years ago, physically, he was, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're second to none. Uh, but 30 years ago, Grandmaster Cho wasn't the Grandmaster Cho he is today. Yeah, you understand? I'm saying, he, yeah, he, yeah, of course. You know, and, and, and it's you know, it's pros and cons. I mean, it's it's 
You know, you, you wish you had both, but you, you, you don't. I think, or I don't know if you and Grandmaster Darcy realise the effect that that had and has on people like, like me or any of the other sort of higher grades. That leading by example, which, which we get, obviously, from Grandmaster Cho, but you're calling it a demo. But to me and to the rest of the instructors and students, you tested because the pressure that you must feel... I'll, I'll give you an example. On the day of the test, yourself and Grandmaster Darcy were first. So you went up on the floor first. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting at the back watching, and I thought, this is brilliant. Grandmaster Cho's going to go ninth degree, eighth degree, sixth degree, and that means I can get the test out. Of the room. <laughs> so this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. It round. So you and Grandmaster Darcy tested, and then he went all the way back down to the red uniforms, and I was like, oh no. So I had yeah. to sit for an hour, two and a bit hours, or however long it was. That yeah. was pressure. So yeah. if I felt pressure in front of my students, you must have felt pressure and that was impressive to see your leader up there doing his stuff. Yeah, uh, that, you know, Grandmaster Darcy and me were in the back and, and we were getting dressed in the side room next to Grandmaster's office. And we looked at each other and, and we didn't even have to say anything. We knew what both of us was thinking like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Yeah, look, I, you know, our egos I, I, I think are intact but we want to look good, not only for Grandmaster Joe, but for you guys to say, yeah. look, this is, you know, uh, you know, th th this is what we, we, we want to be an example for you guys. And, and it's hard. It's a lot of pressure. But uh, I mean, with, with they say with great reward comes great sacrifice or however it goes. But, yep. uh, you know, it, it, here's what I, I really enjoy. The, I always say it's like a family reunion. We all get together. Um, and we all go to AMA headquarters. It's like, we're all back together. Uh, you know, the summer camps, I'm hoping that we can get some things started again. Yeah. After the pandemic, I mean, it is, you know, I know everybody has, has been really, uh, it's been a trying time. I know a lot of schools had to shut down, uh, unfortunately, but I'm hoping that things, you know, can get back to normal and, and you know, we can start doing some summer camps and, and, and getting back together. Uh, I miss you. I miss everybody. I miss Grandmaster Darcy. Uh, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen Master Burns. You know, uh, Grandmaster, you know, we, we all keep in contact, but uh, it's not the same as seeing each other. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you know what it is like when we're all there. It's, 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 it's a big party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I don't have you for too much longer and I don't want to, to, to hold you back. What, one question that's just popped into my head there when we're talking about the pandemic what, what did it teach you as a martial artist? It certainly taught me patience, for example, and even as a grandmaster, what did you learn from what we've went through over the last year? Uh, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing was, uh, you know, that how fragile we are, that, you know, something like that can shut the world down. Um, you know, our, our our parents, you know, my, my parents, my, my, my father went through the depression and you always hear stories about depression and not comparing the pandemic to the depression. But I, I think it was a time in history that, that, you know, it's never happened before. 
and and I remember, you know, just like, oh my God, you know, not only the world has stopped. Yeah. You know I mean, um, and, and the uncertainty and, and the fear and the anxiety of the uncertainty. You know, my biggest fear was, you know, there's no one in the world I love more than my grandkids. And my biggest fear, I had COVID, and thank God it wasn't bad. But I didn't want to give it to anybody, especially my grandkids. Yeah. And uh, it was just like, oh, my God, you know, uh, how, how fragile life is and how to appreciate life. And I read a good book um, a while back, and it says every day when you wake up, say to yourself five things that you're thankful for. You know, whether it's your wife, your kids, your grandkids, but change it every day. Don't say the same thing every day. And, you know, during the pandemic, if you say, I'm glad that I don't have the, you know, uh, COVID today or anybody in my family doesn't have COVID or any of my friends doesn't have COVID. I'm glad that I can walk in my neighborhood today. You know, little things like that, that we would take for granted a, a, a million times and never think twice about it. Yeah. I think it you know, really sets you back and says, Hey, you know what? And, and then, you know, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, God love her. She's not in her nineties. She's in a nursing home and we couldn't see her for a long time. Yeah, on my wife, the, the effect it had on my wife, Father Conley was in a nursing home and we couldn't see him. And then seeing how, and God, my mother-in-law is still living, but seeing how mentally they were deteriorating because of no stimulation, um, it, it, was, it was horrible. But um, you, know, you learn from it and, I, and, and I'm a big believer in anything negative, there comes a positive. Yeah. And I think the positive for me was appreciating things that I took for granted. You know, one of the things I took for granted every day was I'm done at work. I go teach at my Taekwondo school. Yeah. We go to the Taekwondo Dojang and it's empty. There's no students there. I mean, and then, you know, having classes in the park, that's where I started. I start teaching in in a park in, in Memorial park in New Kensington. I would have to go down there and just start working out and Somebody would say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing Taekwondo. What's that? Oh, take a class. And, and then going back to that, it was a, you know, a kind of neat, actually, in a way. Yeah. Um, but thank God, you know, we, we made it through. I, um, you know, we're all fully vaccinated. Um, and, and my Dojang, uh, when we, we, we stopped, we had about 193 students when we had to shut down. And then we opened back up. And then we government mandated we shut down. So we were shut down about a total of nine months. Yeah. When we reopened, we were fortunate to come back with about 70 some students. Yep. And um, it, it's it's really growing. I mean, it, it, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are coming back and a lot of people are, you know, I think people were so messed up about being cooped up that they're running to do something. Yeah. Well, the enrollment has been good. Uh, again, I, I, I feel for all the people that, depending on martial arts for livelihood had to close and find something else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to end on a negative thing like COVID and the pandemic. So let's end on, on a positive, uh, two things very quickly. What's your greatest martial arts memory, perhaps with Grandmaster Cho. And if you could just give us a wee, you, uh, okay. Let me very quickly say this. Like Grandmaster Cho, like Grandmaster Darcy and yourself, there's a famous saying that you don't always remember what people say, but you always remember how they made you feel. Mm -hmm. So even in 
I remember when we were talking in Hawaii in Grandmaster Cho's back office about putting an article together for Grandmaster Cook's uh, mm. magazine. I can't remember everything we said that night, but when I think back, I still remember that you, like the other Grandmasters, have this positive aura. You just have this positivity. So I left that evening on cloud nine. So if you can first of all give us your favourite memory, and then if we can close the episode with just a positive message for everyone to go go into the future with. I think one of the, the most positive memories was training individually with Grandmaster Cho. You know, whether it was, you know, uh, years ago, I, I, I went to Europe with him and, and we traveled all over the place doing seminars and, and I helped him during the seminars. But, and again, we would do a seminar two, two, three hours, break two, three hours. And then we would go back to the hotel and just me and him and he'd say, you know, let's go work patterns or let's go work yarns. And the, just me and him. Another time we were all on vacation, Grandmaster Cho, my family, Grandmaster Cho's family and Grandmaster Darcy and uh, working out with the three of us, just just the three of us uh, is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, as well as I know, going in the back room and lifting weights when Grandmaster Cho's back there hitting the weights. I, I think it was the, the, the and, and there's been so many other than, you know, other than that, there's, you know, the competition. I, I really liked a lot of the competition. Um, the meeting certain people, the, the, the Wesley Snipes thing was like dying and going to martial arts heaven. I mean, every, you know, so many famous martial art masters there and, and champions. Um, but, but I, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing would be training individually with Grandmaster Cho or, or Master Darcy and myself or you guys, you know, you know some of the other AIMA members. And, and I think on, on the leave on a positive note, what I think we have to do is always just enjoy the process. You know, Grandmaster Cho always talked about progression. You know, you start as a white belt and there's certain requirements that you have, then it's a yellow belt. Then there's certain requirements you have as you, as you go up the belt levels. But I think even though you have the goal of, 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 you know, supposedly reaching a black belt, enjoy the process up and have patience. And that's something that, you know, everybody has to, you know, me, me more than anybody has to work on the patience on achieving the goal, but enjoy the actual process. Enjoy coming to class. Yeah. Enjoy, you know, uh, coming to a seminar. Um, be open-minded. And, you know, again, I, I think, you know, the Machados, uh, you know, famous jujitsu family has a sign in their school, leave your ego at the door. I yeah. think that's one of the most profound things that we, we can do. Um, it's just leave your ego at the door, enjoy the process, have fun. Don't compare yourself to other people. I mean, uh, and let everybody do what they want. You know, uh, there, there's people that, you know, you know, is, is left our organization. God bless you. Do whatever you want. That's your business. Um, you know, live and let live and uh, in, in enjoy it and, and improve. You know, remember yeah. I told Best, re best revenge is success. <laughs> Indeed, sir. Okay, uh, I know just how busy and crazy your life can be, uh, Grandmaster Ramirez, so I can't thank you enough for making the time for us. Uh, that is just shy of an hour. It, it just goes so quickly. Uh, okay. but, but listen, I can't thank you enough. This is going to be episode 50, so 
It was a little anniversary. I've kind of timed the episode so I could have you on for episode 50. So I can't thank you enough. We got to get Grandmaster Darcy on there. We got to tell him, you know, he, 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 you know how he is. He's Mr. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. We got to get you. So I'm, I'm challenging Grandmaster Darcy. Get on this podcast. Let people hear from you. Let Master Burns get on this podcast. It's a great vehicle. Uh, and we can all learn from it and all benefit from it. So, yeah, and I want to thank you. You're doing a phenomenal job. You're such a great representation. And uh, give Tracy and uh, everybody my best in Scotland. And and I hope to see you guys soon, whether it's here or there. We'll uh, be in Pittsburgh, sir. Please go ahead. Yeah, my, my dojang is always open. My doors are always open. And uh, just, you know, you guys are in my family. So come on up. Perfect. Okay, sir. Have a brilliant day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.